Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy tutor, and with me here today, my Japanese mom, my mom. Hi. So, one more thing we wanted to talk about Japan is that, actually, no, I'm kidding. We're not talking about Japan again. We've we've done that a few times. Yeah, we've done that for almost the last, at least the last five episodes. So, we're ready to move on to more stuff, and... One of the things we haven't talked a whole lot about here on the on this podcast here is games. So today we're going to be talking about Magic the Gathering. So, and where this ties into Japan is we saw whole floors of stores dedicated co- to game cards. Yes, we found we we've, <coughs> we couple of stores that we found in Akihabara, which is kind of the place where you find Nern Ephemera. Had an entire floor that was just nothing but cards, obviously all in Japanese, but there were still people up there just kind of like playing, playing just very casually. Now they were playing both Magic and a couple other games, but they were just naturally playing. Yeah. So mom, what do you know about Magic the Gathering? I know that when you were like 13? A little younger, but yeah, around there. A little younger, okay. So um, when you were kids... Um, we actually had, I, I, I had a deck of cards and I did play with you guys. Um, we, there was a card store around the corner and if you did well on grades and stuff like that, I'd take you to the card store and... and get some cards. And get some cards, yeah. Yeah, so it's been probably about a good... <laughs> Two decades? At least, probably, since I've actually played Magic the Gathering. I mean, yeah. like, um, I very casually played it when I was a kid, probably not really even knowing all the rules. I saw it. I got introduced to it with friends I was with and tried to pick it up from there and just was out I, I wasn't hugely into it as a kid but like I knew what it was. Okay. Um and I find Magic the Gathering is a good way to talk about games because uh board games I find are a lot more interesting than just like an online video game. You can play an online video game or just a regular video game by yourself for the most part. Yeah. Um you don't actually need to have anybody w- there with you even in the same room to be enjoy to just enjoy yourself but i find board games are very much a social interaction that really does require you to communicate with the other people around you and we'll talk about more board games because i have one of my favorite board games that i want to talk about in other board games okay but magic the gathering is actually in a series of what they call collectible card games Okay. And this is kind of in line with like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that. So let's go a little bit into this here. So originally, this is a Magic the Gathering was created by a guy named Richard Garfield. Um, he was an adjunct professor at Whitman College up in Pennsylvania. He was actually getting his doctorate in mathematics, actually. Um, and he was creating games. Now, the company that we know is Wizards of the Coast... These are the same people that actually publish Dungeons and Dragons now. They didn't do that beforehand, but they did. But I actually believe they acquired them. I think in sometime in the mid '90s. I want to in the mid '90s ish or so. Okay. Um, but they were looking. But Magic, but Wizards of the Coast had actually created like much smaller board games. They were looking for something a little bit more mobile that you could take with you. But they really wanted okay. something that you could play in the middle between game sessions of other of their other games and um lo and behold as much as they liked richard garfield stuff they asked him like hey like why could you come up with something else about a year later he came back with a 
with uh, Magic the Gathering and its kind of more elemental version um, that we kind of all know and love today here. Um, and the original version of the game is actually, as a working title, was known as Magic. But he didn't have the gathering part, but he just called everyone called it Magic. And uh, he actually wanted the name to be Mana Clash, but couldn't. But even when they trademarked the name to call it that, everyone just still kept calling it Magic. Okay. And all the playtesters and everybody who was playing it. And so eventually, obviously, you can't just trademark the word Magic. So they, co- they copyrighted Magic the Gathering, and that's how we <clears throat> come up with the name of the game. Um, so it was released around about 1993, and obviously it was a huge success. Yeah. Um, it's obviously spawned, you know, a lot of this collectible card game sort of craze. Again, this is where we get Pokemon, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh!, other games like that. I mean, they've had everything from Star Wars and Star Trek variants of this, Lord of the Ring variants of this. I've just seen lots of variants of this okay. style here. I've even seen wrestling ones before. Well, and we saw people playing when we went to um, the convention. Mm-hmm. Yep, as we, well. we saw yeah. people playing um, in the convention at Fan- at Fanime here um, back in early June, uh, late May. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a staple of almost every game, of almost any sort of uh, nerd kind of convention. Somewhere there's somebody playing Magic the Gathering or some sort of card game, even if it's not officially licensed or sponsored by the show, like there's somebody always playing this game. Um, interestingly enough, actually, in 1999, Hasbro, the people that make the toys, mm-hmm. say people for My Little Pony, bought Wizards of the Coast, and now they own um, Magic the Gathering as well, and Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. They actually did a really cool promotion here for, um, they did a My Little Pony Magic the Gathering crossover. <laughs> I'm have, trying to envision this. I can pull it up real quickly, actually. But they came up with cards for uh, Magic uh, for Magic the Gathering. So you'd have bronies collecting Magic the Gathering cards. Well, it's a limited set because it's actually for uh, a charity. So like you, okay. pay, you pay kind of a... A premium a, for, yeah. Yeah, you pay like a, an unnecessary premium for it. They had... All the cards have gone, though. Like, they went super quick. So it was very, uh, very highly collectible. Oh, very... Um, so yes, yeah, so they went super quick, and the only thing left now is, um, only real thing left now is the um, playset mats, which are kind of a big thing. You have a playset mat yeah. that you play on. Um, those are actually um, still out there for like they give you like three different ones. Two of them are reversible. But for about $120. So there's a high markup premium for it. But again, 80 of that dollars goes back to charity at the end of the day. Okay. Um, so It's actually a pretty creative uh, way to raise funds. And when you think about it at the same time, um, like Hasbro doesn't really have to pay anything for that at all either because they own the rights um, to, bo- to both brands at the end of the day. So they're not really losing anything so much as they're gaining stuff on it. Um, yep, here we go. So right now I'm, and I'll link this on the website, um, as well as, pretty cool. again, Magic the Gathering, My Little Pony. It's, uh, pretty cool at the end of the day, if, uh, in all honesty. That's, that's pretty neat. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
And so, yeah, no, yeah, very popular game. Just as an example, between 2008 and 2016, they um, estimate that they've probably sold about 20 billion cards of Magic the Gathering. That's amazing. Oh, absolutely. Again, that's uh, it's, oof, so crazy. Um, but you'd be surprised, actually. Magic the Gathering actually has a story. Okay. You, would, you wouldn't think there's a story. So the... The, the initial conceit of Magic the Gathering is that it's two wizards fighting each other. You summon monsters through controlling different areas around you, the land. Um, and you use the land to generate mana, which helps you summon creatures, spells, things like that. And this is the initial conceit of it is that it's two wizards dueling each other. Um, and eventually they decide... So, so is there a Hogwarts version? Mm, sort of, but not, not as you would think it. Okay. Um, but essentially the notion, eventually they came up with the notion that Magic the Gathering takes place in what they call an infinite multiverse, kind of like the way Marvel Comics exists in sort of an infinite multiverse, of multiverse, which okay. is kind of the way of saying that, yeah, we can basically do whatever we want. It just exists somewhere else, essentially. Yeah. Um, and what ends up happening with the concept was is that these different multiverses are known as what they call planes, so different planes of existence. And certain very rare sort of people can jump between different planes. They're known as planes walkers. And so they're characters that kind of exist within the Magic the Gathering game that you see actually come up fairly frequently as, as, as their own cards even um, that do not only special things, but you'll see them in the back art for special attacks and uh, instant spells, like different kind of card art has these planeswalkers in them. And the over the time there's been a lot more planeswalkers has been introduced over time, but um, but the conceit is that originally as different expansions came out, mm -hmm. you were going to different worlds. So there's a world the very next expansion after this was based off of um, Arabian Nights, so you went to a more Arabic sort of plane. And eventually you went to the plane of uh, Kamagawa, which was a more samurai, eastern influence sort of thing. So the intention of these different planes is kind of to experience different kind of elements of fantasy. Like there's um, there's a plane where it's Egyptian-themed, so like everything's kind of like very Egyptian-y sort of feeling. There's a plane in which it revolves a lot around werewolves and vampires, so kind of a gothic sort of horror. Um, there's another one that kind of revolves around things they call thopters, which is basically like drones and robots. Oh. So that's their kind of way of getting into kind of like a semi-sci-fi sort of setting. Um, and originally they actually, like, they traveled on, what they, on, a, on a ship, actually, originally, um, that took them from one plane to another plane. Now, uh, do you are you using the same deck of cards on all these planes? Sort of, but not necessarily. Now, there's okay. some kind of universal cards that are kind of con contiguous throughout the game. Uh, the most common, obviously, is the lands um, that different that you get mana from. But every kind of expansion um, has new cards that come out with an evolving rule set of what they call legal cards and not legal cards. Um, so what ends up happening a lot of time with the game here is that um, around the early 2000s, they started coming out with about four expansions every year. Oh. And so the intention being is that um, 
you were constantly you might be in like one world at a time but like this might be this expansion of cards and you would get another expansion then somewhere in that year or the next year you would move on to the next land or area you might even switch between different planes in that same year even when we got to about mid 2000s they started having a more contiguous storyline that was less character for focused where a lot of the story had been and it became a lot more world focused so kind of a lot in the sense of if you can imagine early marvel movies were all character based and then obviously like the avengers is the big kind of payoff for like it's all this world stuff happening primarily that's kind of how later iterations of the story have kind of become it's more world based and more less character based if that makes sense Okay. Um, but you do have a lot of characters that are like have very kind of weird plots to them. Like um, one of my favorites is a character called Liliana. She's a very kind of she's a character that kind of is on the both kind of like doing the right thing but using evil stuff to do it. And oftentimes her motives can be a little so chaotic good. Yeah, very chaotic good. But at the same time, her motives can be a little um, dubious, as you know, she'll kill somebody, a major character, but there was a purpose behind it. Or oh, so we don't have plot armor. No, 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 no. There's no plot armor. Some planeswalkers live and die consistently. Um, recent years, though, I've seen more expansions telling this kind of more larger narrative story and jumping between planes more frequently. Um, but one of the core things they did with the game was that they have what they call a core set. Okay. So not not to be confused with the thing women wear to look very sensual and sexy. Okay. Or to, sw- or to slim your waist. But um, core set is in a core set of cards so what happens every year is that they release the new core set and this becomes the basis for all new car all the new standardized cards does that mean you're having to rebuy your set every year sort of um you spend you end up kind of some car so basically what happens in kind of the legal kind of realm of cards is that you can if you're just playing very casually with your friends you can use any card you want so assuming that you kind of all agree with what standard rules are like very early cards oh, like, like dungeons and dragons yeah like very early cards and even if we were to use dungeons and dragons like very early spells and abilities in the early dungeon dragons would be very overpowered by comparison to today right but in very early cards back in the day um because again like they were still you know you can only do so much testing to yeah. balance out cards in a yeah. certain way but like they were making cards that were very overpowered that you know, going forward, they would change. And right. obviously, and obviously, one card actually gets sometimes multiple reprints of it that have slight variants of what it actually does based off more modern rules. Okay. So, um, as we get to kind of the more modern rules of the day here, um, essentially what ends up happening is you get a core set that happens every year that's kind of like the reset. These are the, like the new standardized cards, and every expansion that kind of comes out with it is good with that current core set, essentially, which happens about every once a year. Um, so while you're not necessarily always buying new cards, and usually the last two expansions are val- are valid cards still, um, so like you might have like a year and a half worth of valid cards, essentially. So, so if I were to play right now with the 2018 set, I'd be okay, but 2017, probably not. No, yeah. But again, like, keep in mind that some cards are universally sort of cards. Like, there's always kind of cards that always kind of exist, like Fireball, um, certain common, like, white cards, like a knight and priestesses, goblins. Like, some of these cards are just kind of contiguous. Like, they always exist. So if you use the previous version or previous sets of those, it's okay. 
Okay. Um, so, so if I'm looking for a core set, mm-hmm. I mean, what is my investment here that I'm remaking every year? So in a lot of cases, you could, usually about every expansion or so, they release obviously new booster packs. Now every booster pack, depending on what kind of booster pack you get, might run you anywhere from like 5 to $10. I remember buying you guys booster yeah, packs. I mean, yeah, I mean like, you know, the small little booster packs in a lot of cases, usually run, especially for the newer stuff, usually runs about 5 $6, give or take. Um, you can buy full boxes, which have like 36 booster packs in it. For about 150 to 170 bucks, especially okay. in new sets, um, which is not uncommon for some people because if they, you know, like it's kind of an easy way to just jump in right away, especially if you know what you're doing. But if you don't know, really know what you're doing, then you can collect all these cards and still not fully understand. But yeah. Magic the Gathering, in, in our case here, we found a really good version of it here, has um, starter kind of sets. Now, for us here, I got us a starter set. Um, from Magic. So this is a Pentagon-shaped box. Yes, because Pentagon. Kind of cool looking. Uh, yes, because Pentagons are actually very important to Magic. Okay. Um, this is Magic: The Gathering's game night. Um, it's good for two to five players, and basically what it comes with is five pre-made colored decks that we can basically shuffle right away and play with. And, and it's got five dice too. For the dice, or for your life counter. So okay. Um, so we can actually go into a little bit of gameplay here initially. So. Um, there's there's a wide range of rules for Magic the Gathering. Okay. To explain all of them here would be um, would take way too long and would be way too much information. So now is this kind of like Monopoly, where where really the, the group of people you're playing with has their own rules? No. Oh no. No okay. no no. So so the way I will rephrase that here is that um, it's like playing basketball. Okay. Now you can play basketball on a half court. You can play basketball with no three with no three pointers. You can play basketball with six, seven, eight people if you wanted to. But the core purpose of basketball here is that you can't dribble. If you stop dribbling, you have to pass or you have to make a shot. Uh huh. And the entire intent of the game is to put the ball through the hoop. Yes. So while there is a core set of rules that are ingeniously laid into Magic the Gathering that is consistent throughout the entire gameplay, the formats in which you can play are a little bit different. And that's where come some of the great fun of Magic happens in. So when you come to um, some of like the various formats they have in Magic, you have kind of your standard um, kind of formats. These are your um, constructed formats that basically says that you go to a tur- you go to wherever you're playing and you can play with whatever cards you currently have with you assuming the, the certain rules like sometimes the rules might be you can only play with standard cards right now these are cards that would be in rotation as far as being avail- able to play okay um, you might have a rule that says you can't you that says that you have to play with only common cards you can't use any rare cards at all so a lot of the cards would be more powerful or more useful you can't play with those you're going to play with the weaker cards so you have to come up with a deck like that. Um, or How might, many cards in a deck? So typically a deck, in which in Magic they call a library, typically can, can consist of about 60 cards. Now you can have, have like, you can have up to 60 cards in a legal standard deck. Some formats say you have to have 100 cards. How do you keep track of all this? You count them. Okay. Oddly enough, unfortunately. Um, you might have to count those cards. Um, 
So there's some decks that are like that. Um, what's interesting about one of those decks is called a singleton. You can only have one of every. You can only have one card of each of each one of each sort of each sort. So you can't have. So you can have multiples of the land, but you can. But if you have one like goblin, you can't have another goblin of that same name. You can't have the same card twice. Okay. Typically, in most libraries and most decks, though, you can have up to four of the same card. Okay. So you can have four of the same spell, four of the same creatures, four of the same instant sort of attacks. So, I mean, if you kind of count it that way, you and if you assume that you're kind of counting out your land, you can kind of have, like, the same, like, ten-ish cards. Okay. Ten, ten, ten to, you know, you can have up to 15 of the same exact cards, but you need some space for land. So kind yeah. of maybe ten of the same cards. But okay. our decks are a little bit more varied. Okay. Uh, so okay. Well, let's back up a little bit. So so you got this um, starter kit, which is actually really cool, mm-hmm. right out of the box. Play magic with two to five players, right out of the box. Yep. And it has um, a cool little uh, rule book for it. Rule book. Very cute little rule book. Yeah. Yes. Game uh, play guide and rule book. Mm-hmm. And then it has the dice and um, the cards and and they're color they're color coded. Yes. Yeah, so magic. One of the so there's a couple core core aspects to Magic: The Gathering. I'm in some of them here is the color system. So what you see here is we have um, five different major colors uh, for Magic: The Gathering. We have white, blue, black, red, and green, or um, what's popularly called as the uh, Blueberg Order, I believe. Okay. Don't ask me why. It's just the abbreviations for it. Um, in each different I seem to have lots of fire. Well, so that one right there that you're holding is a red deck. It's mostly containing nothing but red cards in it. Um, but each of the different cards have different sort of play styles that are kind of associated with them. Um, so I have gutter snipes. So in your case, here, a red deck is primarily um, made up of cards that kind of represent more fire, raw firepower, things like that. Um, but what red cards are really great at is they're great at immediate direct damage and kind of uh, overwhelming you know boosting your uh, boosting your individual creatures temporarily and um i've got i i've got just a shitload of of mountains oh well mountains so lands in magic are where you get your mana from and every card type has its own um um land type that goes along with it so mountains are related to fire are related to red ma- to red cards here. So if you have mountains, that means you have red mana. And you'll see if you hold a one of the cards that says you have one, it'll show how much uh, mana it gives you. It's usually one oh, little red I symbol. Oh, I see it. Yes, yeah, so you'll see one little red symbol on there. Um, well, we it says M19. Well, so this is Core Set 19. Oh, okay. Or Magic 19. Oh, okay. But you'll okay, see kind of a red, kind of swirly sort of figure. Yeah. That's a red, red mana here at that case. And if okay. you notice on, on the top of the cards, in the top right hand corner of the cards uh, not the not the not the lands but the regular card that oh, you have in front. Oh, I got little symbols. You have little symbols and those correspond to the kind of mana that you need for it. So you ha- so in this case you need at least so for some cards you might just need one red mana to cast it, but some cards might say you need got it. two pieces of red mana and then two other kind of mana, which could be red, could be white, green. So you can kind of mix and match the colors here. What's X? Um X would denote the num- uh, more mana you put into it, the bigger the output you get on it. And Got so, it. like, okay. so in some cases, like a fireball spell says that, like, pay two red mana and then add more mana to it, and that's how much additional damage you do plus what the regular fireball does. So if you just cast it regularly, you might, might just so do three damage. Um, 
So now I noticed I have some cards that that are sort of gray or blue. Yeah. So what we have, we call them colorless cards. These are cards which are which. What's nice about these cards here at the end of the day, uh, these colorless cards, are that um, they don't necessarily represent. They can be used in any deck that you want. Um, and what they allow, what they give you kind of access to, is they give you kind of access to other. Um, abilities that you may not typically have in red cards. So for an example, your red cards are really good for um, kind of uh, running gun sort of stuff. Like you pull out a lot of creatures onto the field real quickly. There are a lot of weaker creatures, but you can pull them out more frequently. And so what it allows you to do is just kind of attack your enemy with swarms of creatures real quickly. Okay. You know, so they're meant for like quick and quick damage. They're not very strong, but you're able to kind of get in really quickly with them and do a lot of damage with damage with them even though you know if you have like five things doing two pieces of damage each like that's 10 damage at the end of the day it's a lot of damage in the game so you get a lot of um chances to to attack now again they're fairly weak at the end of the day so they can be easily killed but you have a lot more access to more of them so you don't need a lot of mana on the field to put a lot more back out if you wanted to and so every kind of every kind of uh, color has different kind of theming and kind of gameplay that goes along with it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the other ones here, but the colorless ones here allow you to kind of pull from other kind of colors without having to rely on their mana. So, like, in an example here, blue, ma blue um, the color blue here is really known for a lot of its magical abilities. So a lot of its creatures can be a little bit weaker, but they all have more special effects to them. Blue is also really well known for doing a lot more... Um, negating of spells, kind of controlling the battlefield a little bit more by stopping stuff from happening or making stuff redirect. Um, it's kind of an administrator. A little bit more administrating, yeah. Um, what it really relies well on is using a lot more magical-based abilities to do more stuff against okay. you. Um, but what the colorless cards would do here is they might give you access to some of Blue's, uh, uh, some of Blue's kind of more common cards that they might have, like negating spells and things like that. Immediately, they might cost more. They may not be as powerful, but you have access to some of those abilities here. Um, now some of them are monsters that might have abilities from other, the more common stuff. Like you might have a card that gives uh, uh, flying, for example, which is something that's more common with like white cards and blue cards, but not a lot of red cards, as an example. So some of those cards might give you more access to more abilities, things like that. Okay. Uh, so, so I, t I go for, go ahead. Um, I I seem to have like a lot of action, mm -hmm. and I and I totally get, I'm very volcanic. Oh yes, fire um, fire again, fire again is like if you had to like describe fire cards, are usually like based around fire and uh, raw kind of power. These are going to be like a lot of your oh, ogres okay, and okay. goblins, things like that. Okay, so so like my cards are I have I have creatures. Mm -hmm. And then I have sorcery, and then I have I have another creature, um, I, and then uh, more creatures, creatures, goblins. I'm I'm like good with goblins. Oh yeah, no goblins are a big thing in red, and and and, and dragons. Oh yes, dragons again, raw firepower, <clears throat> literally in this yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it absolutely. It, it I, I I get the tie-in. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I like Gobsmack. Yeah. Gobsmack. So you get a couple different types of cards here. The most common are probably going to be land and creatures. What's um, an instant? So an instant, an instant spell means you can use it whenever you want. You could even use it on the your opponent's turn as well. And that might be something where um, 
it, blue blue does this a lot where a lot of some of its spells are instant spells that kind of stop other spells from happening so it might be that like oh say red is shooting a fireball at you blue can come in and say nope i am stopping that by using a spell that stops magic so it stops that spell from happening but he can do that whenever he wants he can even do it on his own turn it's usually slightly more advantageous to do it on their own, on your own turn, on their turn, exactly. On someone else's turn. Yeah. Interrupt play. Or um, some spells might be that, oh, I want to I empower my monster. You know, let's say, for example, you are attacking another monster that, you'll, that you can clearly destroy very easily and beat. Um, but what I can do is if I have a card that empowers that other card, because you've already declared it that, it's a, that you're attacking it, I can power it up, but I can maybe kill your card instead and leave mine still on the battlefield unharmed through instant spells. So it's kind of your way of of, uh, negating something else that might be happening right then and there. Okay. Um, There's a couple other cards here, and we'll probably discuss more of that when we're playing them, um, because despite the fact that it's really simple to get it to learn, there's a lot of complex, there's some semi-complex rules to a lot of it. Um, but let's go some over the other card types here. So um, if we were to have white cards, uh, white cards are kind of more religious, sort of like naturally good kind of cards, if you will. Like, like you might see angel. more holy knights, yeah. priests, um, guardians, a lot of stuff. These are like, you know, Pegasus riders, things like that. These are typically nice cards. Um, if you had to assume anything's a good or bad thing, these are always going to be the good guys, usually. Okay. Um, but these are often a lot of cards. While they have low-level creatures, they offer a lot of protection and powering up those creatures. Um, and healing as well is a big thing in white. Um, they're fairly good at um, kind of like making things fair. Like you would, like if you're doing, like if somebody else's something, somebody else's creature is empowered, they might negate that and stop that thing from being more powerful, but keeping everybody on kind of the same level. Okay. Like kind of as you originally started, not powered up. It's a fairly easier um, kind of card class to to play with a lot of time because it's fairly straightforward. So, so would, should that be my starter then? Well, I mean, we have a couple different options here. So, um, one of the nice things with the with the game here was is that um, they gave kind of a kind of a starter information sort of card, a, a cheat sheet card. Yeah, so they gave us kind of a cheat sheet that kind of shows like, oh, these are, you know, like oh, this infrared for example here, it's uh, really fast. Cause so a lot of you can pull a lot of spells out really quickly. Its creatures are very low on power. Um, it's got quite a number of spells in it. Um, and it gives you kind of complexity level as well. So fire, not quite so um, complex as, for example, white, which is very, you know, fire is a little bit more powerful, a little bit more... Complex than white, yeah. Yeah, the white. So white does show yeah, like a really low complexity level. No, but it's got an equal amount of speed. It's got good creatures and good spells. So, again, white's a good thing to start, might be a good thing to start with. And okay. we might play a couple, you know, I'd love for us to try a couple of these different decks and see okay. if anything finds us. Um, we talked about a little bit about blue. Again, a lot of their creatures are more um, magical in nature. Like they always have kind of some kind of special effect. So they take a little bit to oh, gear Oh, yeah, quite a bit of more com- complexity. Yeah, so it's a little bit more complex. It's got a lot more... A lot more uh, powerful creatures in it by spell wise um, it's a little bit takes a little bit longer to get going because okay. some of these require a lot more mana um, and while it's while it doesn't say here that the spells are kind of low like I've always found blue to have really good spells so like I tend okay. to find that um, the one that uh, that we probably won't do is that black is um, 
Oh, uh, that complexity's up there. Yeah, but if you also notice here, like, its spells are just kind of off the chain. Um, yeah. Black, you know, blue spells are kind of more of a watery sort of island sort of theme, more wind and watery sort of spells. So you, there are a lot of times where you'll see, like, merfolk and um, elementals, things like that for blue, um, mostly, or anything that's kind of knowledge-y, wisdom-y based. Okay. Um, black is the kind of cards you like if you're into sacrificing corruption, power, and generally evil stuff like oh, black yeah yeah if you're gonna have vampires they're gonna be a black card in a lot of cases like i mean i'm just gonna pull up one card here it's a zombie like it's pretty evil looking yeah um but black is kind of interesting because a lot of its spell a lot of its abilities are about it doesn't matter if i'm down to one life at the end of the game i still win so it's all about taking out your own life to do more stuff or taking life from other people or sacrificing human creatures to pull out something more powerful onto the field, uh, things like that in a lot of cases. So while its spells are a little bit more complex in some cases, um, it's it kind of rewards good gameplay for people who are... Um, risk takers. Risk takers, yeah. Like, again, like there's a lot of risk involved. In it. Sometimes you get good payouts, sometimes you get bad payouts, but you always have to be a little more gutsy when you're playing um, black here. Okay. Um, again, red is obviously just massive damage yeah um and the last one here is uh green um so green is not green is going to be kind of your foresty naturey sort of sort of stuff here it's also kind of good at healing um it's monsters though are kind of like at the top level like a lot of time you pull a lot of very strong monsters out that basically got like like squat for spells no no yeah no green doesn't have a lot of spells to it at all if it does it's a lot of enhancing some healing spells okay. um, but where green really lies in its creatures so a lot of their creatures are very um powerful creatures at the end of the day but they take a lot of mana to pull out but not a lot of stuff can stop them once they're out okay so so questions yes I, yes I, yes questions. Yeah, of course okay. so first off i assume if you were going to have a, a really good group going mm-hmm You'd have like one of each of these, or maybe two of one, and so a lot of time. Know. Well, a lot of times when people play with one another, they play with whatever they like to play with. Some people are really, some people really kind of gravitate more toward like green cards or black cards, white cards, red cards, um, or blue cards in some cases because they're kind of what they. It's kind of in that gameplay style that they like to play yeah. in, or is what they. I mean, in case if you're like associate with yeah, and if you're like into like mostly blue cards, as an example, you might actually collect more blue cards. It might just be what you use more often, Um, because there's a very large secondary market for Magic the Gathering. Okay, that's my follow up question. Okay. Okay. So, so if you were to have, you know, I can't see having like if you had just red and black. Let's say you Mm -hmm. had four or five people playing, but they were all either red or black. You'd just be beating the shit out of each other. Well, again, I mean, depending, dependingly, again, sometimes you have red-on-red battles, you might have black-on-black battles. Um, these are combinations that happen that do kind of happen fairly frequently in the game. Um, you might also have uh, cases where you have multiple colors. So some decks might include black and white cards at the same time. Ooh. Um, so kind of what ends up happening in that case here is that when you mix two different colors, you're gaining access to more abilities and more things you might be able to do, but at the cost of having a slight slight more difficulty pulling them out. Because, I, I mean, I can see just looking at this red deck how things augment each other. Yeah. It's like, pretty logical. Yeah, a lot of the cards are very synergistic in that way, where they work oh, really well. Um, 
with one with like an entire like if you had all red cards they'd kind of all work together on a certain level um and these cards in particular are kind of meant to do that individually for each deck um so like the blue deck has cards that kind of all work together with that deck and black cards it's cards that work well with all those cards in those decks yeah which was very intentional i think on on wizard of the coast's um intentions when they when they offered this particular box here but that's a lot in a lot of cases that a lot of white cards work well with other white cards and Black cards work well with other black cards, but you might, but there might be some multicolored cards which will have like a gold border on it. Okay. Which might say you have to have both white mana and black mana to use. Oh. Or it might say you need like red and blue or something like that. Okay, so, th- so, so there that- are so there are some cards that kind of mix and match this where you might splash both colors to use those cards or to use both sets of abilities. Okay, so that feeds into my next question, which is. If you were to get like supplemental packs, mm-hmm. um, would you be buying them by color? Or I mean, I know back in the days of the card store, they used to sell individual cards as well. Yeah, so um, a couple different ways you can get the cards at this point here. Um, one of which, obviously, you can just buy the card you want. Um, now they could range anywhere from like a nickel to a dime. Some cards might be up to a dollar or two more rare cards and more desirable cards might actually cost you upwards of like five ten dollars for a card okay um as where you can get like a pack of cards like a booster pack which might include about 15 some odd cards one of them is always a token one of them is always a land card um and so the rest of them might be various color by the other colored cards so you might get an artifact which is a white card here in that case or you might get more green cards and red cards or something like that well would the booster packs be colored so so are they color no no, no. They, okay. yeah they're 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 basically like opening up a blind box you have no idea what you're going to get out of them most of the time okay um sometimes you might open up a pack that has like a rare card in it that sells for like 75 bucks or you might pull out a bunch of cards that are basically worth like a handful of nickels there's always a rare card in every booster pack well i guess just like the blind bag ponies yeah. You you like open the blind bag ponies are, don't come in equal amounts in in a box of however many. Nah. Yeah. You learned that the hard way when somebody wanted a butter sh- fluttershy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Shy people like shy people. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a rarity type, but There there you go. But I like my glamour pusses. Yeah. Mhm. Um but no yeah, so I mean there's a little bit of a trade-off now. Sometimes what you might do is you might um now Every card is very well detailed online. And a lot of people create their deck list and put them up online for you to see online. And if you really want to, you can go out and buy all the cards you need for that deck to play with that particular deck. Well, well-known decks that won like championships and things like that are well-known in the community and archetypes like that. So you could buy decks like that if you wanted to. But you could only use them for like two years. Not necessarily. Again, you could use them in tournament play or standardized tournament play for up to about a year and a half to two years. But if you're just playing with your friends or in a local local venue or a casual venue, then you can kind of use whatever cards you want within reason. Okay. Um, some tournaments, again, like we said, had um, kind of what they call like a vintage league where you could use older cards with newer cards. Or you might say, um, you might have a league that says you can only use cards from a certain time period. Um, so like the last like four years, or you could only use cards from... Uh, expansion, one singular expansion. So, like, there's different kind of formats like that. But if we go back to formats, there's a lot 
broader range of cool formats that exist as well. So uh, the constructed format kind of assumes that you have done your research and you built this deck prior to arriving to go play. But okay. sometimes you might have what they call limited, which is um, basically like, here's a pool of cards that you have, go make a deck. And, okay. And a lot of time with those pool of cards would be um, either a certain collection of cards that might be pre-noted by the tournament in some cases, um, which is, um, I believe, uh, sealed. So you might get like six booster packs. Mm-hmm. Um, of cards that might come from a one expansion or from a couple different yeah. expansions, and you pull out all the cards at the end of the day, and you make a decision on what cards you received, what you make your deck out of, and you might get forced into like, oh hey, I need most, I have mostly green cards, so I'll go into green, or I have some really good red cards and some really good white cards, maybe I'll go both red and white, you know. Oh hey, so so here's a hundred cards, and I'm going to play with sixty, and let me count out the best sixty. Yeah, so again, yeah. like in okay. every booster pack, it ha- again six. Six packs have about 15 cards in them each. So here's 90 some odd cards. You got to choose about 40. You got to choose about 45 of them here, or 40 to 50 of them here, and like 10 pieces of land, 10, 12 pieces of land. Okay. So if you're playing tournaments, mm-hmm. the, and you you probably know your competition. Not always. Something okay. again. I mean, um, if you're going to like one of the big major tournaments, like anybody's really allowed to go and play at them for the most part. Okay. So they have huge competitions they call Magic Fest. They used to be called Magic Grand Prix, and now known as Magic Fest. Um, it's a simple entrance fee to get into the tournaments. Okay. And you're allowed to go and play regardless of your skill level and, and so stuff. So I could go play? Yeah. You, oh. could, go, you could go play in I a lot of... I couldn't do well. Okay. Well, not only... Well, you may not do well necessarily, but a lot of the time what they'll do is they will... Um, in this case here, usually they'll give you like a sealed deck or a limited deck of uh-huh. cards... You have to make whatever you're going to make out of it. And you can keep a couple extra cards in case you want to, like, oh, this opponent is doing this. Let me switch in maybe two or three cards that might be good against this opponent's deck. Now that I've seen this as deck now, I can switch in some cards. You have a limited little set of that there. But you're given a collection of cards, and then you go and make whatever you're going to make out of it. And sometimes you get really good pools, and sometimes you may not get really great pools. It's kind of a... Luck sort of thing about yeah, what like you a get. Draw. Okay. Um, but based off whatever you get, you have to go out there and use essentially. Um, another fun one here is what they call drafting, which is one that's always kind of very interesting. Um, essentially, what you do here is that um, you get about eight people together, and everyone gets three booster packs. Okay. And basically, what you do is you open up your one booster pack at a time, or everyone opens up one booster pack at a time. You go through all the cards. You pick the one card you want from that booster deck, and then you pass it off to the next person. And the next person you get the next guy's booster pack, or whatever remaining cards are, and you pick from there. So you slowly are kind of rotating these cards around the table That'd until. Be kind of fun. Oh yeah, no, no. Again, it's very interesting. So you rotate all these cards around the table to pick out different cards, and you might pick out. Oh, this looks really powerful. I want to use this, or oh, I want to get this. So do, I want to. Do you know what the other people have picked? Nope. You don't know ahead of time. So again, they might have had. There might be even doubles in a pack, which is not very common. But yeah. Um, but you might. But one guy might have pulled the most powerful card out of there, and then given you a bunch of regular, just like common cards. Like, oh well, um, I was already kind of going in this direction, so I'll just use this. I need a da 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 da. Or, I need um, a queen. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. It might. I need, need be, a receiver. I mean, I might need more creatures, or I might need more magic, or I want. More, more blue cards or... versus red cards, or somebody else is taking all the red cards. Now I got to go into white cards, things like that. 
Um, so you get elect all these cards, and then you go back and you get mat, you get your lands for that you need for the car decks, and then you play like a small tournament. And then again, in an eight person kind of setting, that means you know you get you know four initial tournament, four for the for bracket for quarterfinals, then semifinals, and then finals. So it's a very simple little format you can do. Okay. Uh, which is, and again, that's very popular because again, all you really need at that point here is just twenty-four decks of cards for eight people. Yeah. So and that's and that's very easy to do because again, that's maybe one hundred and twenty dollars. Assuming you don't go to a tournament, you don't go to other tournaments, and you don't win packs at all. Okay. Um, which is very common. So like, if you go to like a Magic tournament here, they're going to give you like this sealed pool of cards. You keep those cards at the end of the day. So you get to go home and play. Them. You get yeah, you get home and you go home and you can still get cards at the end of the day. Um, if you go to like a tournament at a local car, a local game store, they might have like a five dollar entry fee. But if you like, if you do well in the tournament though, you might get cards out of it. Yeah. You know, hey, the winner gets oh, the number one winner gets eight deck eight uh, booster packs here, or the number two guy gets three booster packs and number three and four get one booster pack each maybe yeah you know or depending on like if it's a round robin situation whoever had the most wins and so forth and usually in some cases you might bring your own cards or you might um or they might have you drafting there at the table like yeah so So there are all sorts of different yeah yeah, there's a lot of different formats even um there's another popular format called commander uh, where you have one of these like planeswalker cards, one of these uber rare sort of cards that acts as a semi permanent character to your game, oh. and so if that so you have your own life total, but the commander has his own life total as well, and so the intention being that your commander has like very strong uber abilities that you can use to go against your other opponents, but they can attack your commander, take them out of the game. You have to resummon them back in to play with them again. Things like that. Like, so there's a lot of cool different um, rules and a lot of other very casual formats as well. One of the ones um, we were talking about here is called Highlander. It's uh, also known as Singleton. It's called Highlander because it can be only one. Okay. Which oh, I think is a, cute. Again, which I, th- I thought was a very clever name. I'd heard the name before, but I was like, why is it called Highlander? I know it's one single card, and then, and then I read about it. It's like, oh, God, that's, that's a clever way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so there's games like that, um, and even though in that one they have a limited, you know, there's certain cards they say you can't use at all. Okay. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of semi-casual camel- formats as well. There's um, one I like that's based off a game called, um, a French game that I've played before called Bang. Um, and I forget what the name of it's called, but basically um, you assign certain cards certain roles for a five-people game. So there's a yeah. king, a knight, two... There's two uh, assassins and a thief, or a rogue, excuse me, and the intention is that um, the thief wins when they, uh, a assassin wins when they kill the king, the knight wins when the king wins, the king wins when he wins in general, and then the um, thief at the end of the day wins when both assassins are killed. So it doesn't matter whether you actually beat the game or not. It depends on what your goal is at the end of the day. Okay. Um, and the only person that everyone knows whose who's status is is the king. You only ever know who the king is, but everyone else's um, oh, status. Oh, so you don't know what anybody else is. Yeah. So what you might character? be a th- yeah. So you might be a knight, and you might not be attack. And you might be attacking. You might not be attacking the king because again, the thief's job is to beat the other assassins. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, things like that. Assassin's job is to kill the king. Yeah, the, yeah. And a version of that is called Bang. There's a sheriff, and then there's outlaws, and there's other deputies and things like that. Um, and you're not allowed to say who those other versions are. Um, another popular version of that is when um, you play with cards, essentially. Right. My favorite version is called uh, The Resistance, which is another great board game, which is great for figuring out who's really good at, at sarcasm, who's really good at keeping a poker face, and who's really good at being, you know, sneaky. Yeah. Um, that's, that is a beautiful game, which if they ever made, I'm sure there's an app for it now at this point, but it makes a beautiful, makes a beautiful app game that you can play with, like, a group of friends very easily on, on everyone's phones. Oh, that's such a great game. Okay, so, so let's back up here. So our set was obviously made for five people, but you're saying most tournaments are played with four or well, some tournaments two? are played. Some tournaments might be played with as many as 120 to 400 people. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, in that case, it's a round robin sort of style where you right. pair it up randomly with seven or eight. You might be paired up with like nine other people, maybe. Okay. And whoever ha- and if you have like the most, whoever has like the most wins moves on to the next day. Okay. There's only usually a certain amount will have the most wins. And if there's enough people that have like a lot, like if you have a lot of like seven twos like or eight ones, like making the cut in a golf tournament, precisely. Yeah, okay. so it's like so very much kind of making the cut, and the next day might require you to do drafting, maybe. Okay. So you might have to do draft, and then the next day after that might be um, a constructed sort of thing. So you bring you the deck you want to play with, and there's some tournaments that are designed around. Oh, hey, this is a draft tournament, or this is a limited uh, construction constructed tournament, or this is a Highlander tournament. So sometimes you might have um, the funniest one I've ever saw. Is called a um, dollar store tournament. Um, and now I, I will link the video to I've I will link the video to their web, their channel on uh, the website here. There's a group I follow called Loading Ready Run. They actually make a lot of cool magic content. So they have a podcast where they talk about magic, the so gathering. this is Load Ready Run? Loading Ready Run. Loading Ready Run. They're okay. the same people who do the, uh, the desert bus. Oh, okay. Very so, good. So, yeah. Okay. So they have a channel that they now have that's all nothing but their magic content because they play a lot of Magic the Gathering, oddly enough. Okay. Go to a lot of Magic the Gathering tournaments. Um, and basically they've... Um, basically what they did one time is that they went to the dollar store and found... Uh, repackaged magic cards for like 10 bucks. It had like a hundred cards in it and they were just like, oh, these are just reboxed common cards mm-hmm. and just random cards that just got sold in bulk. Okay. So you might have, so like, you might have a game store and be like, oh, these are all the cards that um, are not standard legal anymore. There might be older or newer cards. These are just cards that nobody ever buys. So let me just empty out my inventory and sell them in bulk. Okay. And this company just repackages them into like a hundred cards. You don't know what cards are in there. And basically, you have to make a singleton deck out of all these hundred cards that are all standard and nobody bought. That are, might might be standard, might be older, might be five, six, seven years old okay. now, might even be ten years old. Okay. And you have to make a singleton deck out of it to go play with other people. Okay. It's very it's very kind of cute because it's like going through it and thinking, oh, I remember playing with this card like seven, eight years ago. This is a really great card. I wish they reprinted this. Or, oh, I remember this effect. This is a very old effect that's very broken. I get to use this again. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So it's a lot of um, nostalgia almost. But it's kind of a fun little way. I it think, would be fun. Yeah, I think they've called it like... They, they've had a couple different names for it here, which is kind of interesting. Um, but the Loading Ready Run people actually do a number of great magic content. So they do a lot of... So they do like two different podcasts. One of them is on... Um, 
just the regular everyday sort of oh here's new cards coming out in the set okay you know here are what our thoughts are or um they have one that's just all about highlander so they talk about highlander and kind of like the strategy or what you might do in it or new ideas that are coming out for the format um one of their more popular ones is called friday nights which is actually wizards of the coast pays them to make this show it's like a seven to eight minute show and it's basically the most absurdist version of fans of Magic the Gathering. So, Might be worth a watch. So, like, if you've ever watched The Office, as an example, you yeah. know, everyone's kind of a more, is like a very much an exaggeration of what these people would be like. Yeah. Like, Dale's very much like a, or, mind you, I've never watched The Office. I don't know the characters all that well, but, like, the boss, like, Steve Carell is very kind of like a, very kind of uppity sort of boss. Like, you yeah. know, he's trying to show everyone how how strong and big he is, and then you've got, like, this one guy who's kind of a pracer that's way too much of a pracer. You've got that one guy in the office that's very much kind of a nerd's rule sort of guy. Like, they re kind of play some of these characters as magic's kind of archetype kind of people. So it's very much a not to be taken seriously, but these are kind of like how some people are in magic. Okay. So, um, again, I'm going to link it in there because I think these are kind of funny. They're kind of indicative of the community. If you, They give you some ideas, too. Yeah, it's... If, gross over exaggeration of the community is what is the way I put it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like what's actually what's fun about Magic the Gathering is not actually playing the game. Sometimes it's just talking about playing the game. Yeah. Doing like theory craft and oh if you did this card and that card or what's better, a deck of pirates or a deck of dinosaurs. Like, you know, like stuff like that. Um, it's obviously the collection aspect as well. Um, just collecting the cards if you're a collector collector sort of type where you have to collect all the cards and something yeah um if you're in the art like you've seen a couple of these cards here just for yourself this is some pretty art at the end of the day well i was gonna ask so so when we get to it to a moment i'd like to ask you about that sure go for it okay so the art is really beautiful and it's I all hand-painted art yeah i mean these are i mean these are this is really really beautiful um um and and Obviously, all of it, all of this set works together. I mean, mm -hmm. if they're not done by the same artist, they're certainly done in the same style. They're actually done by a variety of different artists. There's been over about two or three hundred artists over the course of time that have made cards for Magic: The Gathering. Um, some reprints, some non-reprints. There's kind of there's obviously clearly like a style that's indicative to Magic: The Gathering, but there's no. Um, absolutist. I mean, if you look at goblins in some cases, goblins kind of look a little bit more cartoony in some cases uh, versus like a dragon, which looks very much like, oh, that's a dragon. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I and I do very much have like gob goblins gob and dragons. Yeah. we're still looking at the red deck here. Yeah. So, um, but I guess I guess my question is so. Um, is what plane I'm playing on determined by the deck of cards I have? Some cases, yeah. So um, where you saw the M19 um, uh -huh. in the kind of in the middle sort of section there, uh, there's other symbols for other variants on cards. So um, when it was Arabian Nights, it was like a magic lamp. Um, other series might have different kind of um, uh, little symbols for them. And so it kind of denotes what, what the set is from. So this is obviously um, corset sort of cards because they're from M19 directly. Uh, but they might also be from like... Uh, Guilds of Ravnica, or you might be from Plains of Targaris, or other, any, any number of the other different planes that exist out there. There's so many of them out there. Um, 
And so what you're playing with might be a variety of different cards based off what you're doing. I mean, one of the popular, uh, one of the popular uh, ways you can do draft here is that everyone brings whatever booster pack they were able to get a hold of. So you might have booster packs from the current set of legal cards, but you might have booster packs from four or five years ago. Uh, what is popular one to do? Um, I forget what the... I forget what the expansion is, um, but there's an expansion um, that is very popular to draft with because all the cards in there are really cool, and they still make those cards as its own boost, as its own draft box, so you could just play that expansion if you wanted to. Um, okay, so, so if I have these cards, mm -hmm. and I get invited to a game by somebody who wants to play on a um, Arabian plane, mm -hmm. can I play these cards? They're currently legal. You can certainly play that. Um, there's nothing saying that you can't play, like there's nothing that says you can't play in older cards with newer cards at all in a casual format or a casual game. Those are you can play with whatever cards you want. Okay. But usually it's one of those things where it's like when you like go back to the basketball analogy. If you're playing with just a simple half court, we both kind of have to agree that we're just playing with a half court. If you're saying that three that three pointers don't count, we both kind of have to agree that three pointers don't count. If we're playing horse, we both kind of have to agree that we're playing horse. Okay, so 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 th then I guess my follow-up question is is um, every year or two when I have to rebuy a starter pack, do I have to know who I'm playing with or what plane I'm playing on? Well, the the, so the are there are there different starter packs for different planes? So yeah, so again, usually whenever any sort of expansion comes out, um, so like for example, like Guilds of Ravnica when it came out as an expansion. Um, was clearly set on the plane of Ravnica, which is kind of an eldritch sort of horror sort of thing almost. With, that's where we get a lot of the uh, vampires and werewolves okay. from. Um, but um, you don't necessarily even need to know the plane that you're on, because again, you're you're playing as what uh, you're playing as a wizard that's known as a planeswalker. So you might bring stuff from you from another plane with you to go play there. And what might end up happening is well. Um, you might get some new booster cards that have like vampires and werewolves in it, but you might still use it with what uh, like Egyptian cards you had beforehand because you just came from that previous. So, so my my dragon could take on your vampire. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Um, absolutely, that could happen, and it has happened on numerous occasions. Okay. One of the big one of the big bad guys is actually a dragon who can plane walk. Uh, I believe his name is Nicobolus. I I, I I just know I have some cool dragons I in oh, this red pack and I I wouldn't want to give them up. Now keep in mind like those dragons They're pets. Oh absolutely. And keep in mind like those dragons may still exist in later in the next core set too. So you don't even have to go buy the new version of those dragons if you already have them still cuz some cards are kind of semi standard. Okay. Um so like, again like you might have like a goblin engineer and while he may not be mm. in like the 2020 version he might be there in the 20, 2021 version. And so if you have the card from 2019, that would still be legal there because it's essentially, if it's the exact same card, then it's not, then, then you have it already. So you don't need to go buy another one. Okay. So, so to clarify, because mm -hmm. now, now I'm understanding, I think better. So when expansion packs come out, mm -hmm. they come out for specific planes. Usually for specific planes, and sometimes and you might return to older planes, or you're not always going to a new one. So, like, okay. Guilds of Ravnica was very much coming back to the plane of Ravnica, which had been five years beforehand, if memory serves me correctly. Okay. Um, and some planes, um, like the Egyptian plane, have come up before as well, so you might travel back to it. 
Um, so you may be not always going to a new place. The different planes are kind of a way of explaining either new mechanics that they might want to try to use. So uh -huh. there's sometimes certain mechanics that are only viable to that plane versus other mechanics that are only viable to other planes. So like when new expansion comes out, it's also kind of a fun way to kind of reinvent the game by adding new stuff to do. So um, in basketball, it might be, oh, we now go on to this version of basketball, and now three-pointers are valid again. and Or you can only do three-pointers. Yeah. So, okay. So there might so that if, if the basketball analogy works so out. So it's a way, way of keeping it contemporary. Keeping it contemporary, keeping it fresh, and sometimes even just reprinting older stuff. That was kind of the intention of the course that was to kind of always offer a new standard version of the game, which a little bit of rule changes sometimes to allow for more freshness. So if there had been abilities that had been overpowered or had been, or they had found that the community was kind of overusing them and not in kind of a little bit to the um, uh, disbenefit of other stuff here, then you might, you know, you might take that or you might tweak that ability a little the bit The game more. was being, being too overpowered by a single type of, Card, card or maybe yeah. a met or a meta game, and again, like in a lot of cases, like um, this happens sometimes with other games like League of Legends, World of Warcraft. Like you might find that if we go back to the very early versions of World of Warcraft, uh, there was a class of characters called rogues, which could hide and stealth, and they were very good at doing lots of immediate damage and and real quickly, and they could kill you in about a second sometimes from just kind of popping yeah. out of the shadow, step, step, stab, disappear yeah. again. Um, or they might have had, or they might have been able to uh, stun you for so long that you can never actually do anything. So you never actually got to fight against another rogue. You were always just being constantly stunned by him and stopping from ever doing anything. So yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I can, I absolutely see where where somebody could figure out of sorts the loophole. Oh yeah, find something. Yeah, there's and sometimes <coughs> what ends up happening is is that. Um, sometimes people create these long synergistic sort of abilities that just loop on themselves and create infinite damage at the end of the day. Yeah. No, I so, get it. I totally get it. So, so expansion packs come out how often and, and how many? Um, <coughs> so, we've seen, so we've seen a lot of time about three major expansions come out every year. And sometimes uh, okay. three, three major expansions come out usually about every year or so now. Um, and sometimes the core set might be every two years even. So sometimes like the most, so like M19 came out and there was a M18 as well. Um, so sometimes there's different variants on expansions. Okay, so so you could kind of figure if you were active then in a, in a group, you might once a year buy an expansion pack or, or maybe depending on what your group played. Well, a lot of times what ends up happening here is that Wizards of the Coast is very good about <coughs> um, is very good about supporting their their local game stores and things like that. Because a lot of the time, these local game stores are really the the height of where you can actually play the games at. Um, and so they're <coughs> very good about offering promotions, helping out with um, a program they call Friday Nights, not to be confused with uh, Loading Ready Runs parody right. parody parody sort of thing called Friday Nights. Um, but they'll offer. Um, special sort of promotions related to like a current expansion. Um, they might offer special decks that are designed and special deck types where you literally get a constructed deck already ahead of time. That's kind of got a certain flavor role to it essentially. So you might have a three on one where one guy is this boss character that has special cards and special abilities designed to play against 
three other lesser people that have just kind of more standardized cards, but more set skills, well-constructed decks. Yeah. So there's stuff like that that exists. Um, they're very good about helping sponsor tournaments. Uh, one of their big promotions they have are called pre-releases. And um, that's a situation where um, what they'll do is they will send product to the store, so do booster packs and things like that, and they'll help the store do, to do um, small tournaments with the new cards to give you the chance to understand and play with the new cards, and you might actually... Get excited. Yeah, get you excited for the new thing here. So you might have um, a two-person tournament, you know, so where two people play with as one, as sort of one character almost, but two different decks. It's called a two-headed giant. And so you might have one of those kind of things. You play with other people, and it's designed to help you get used to the deck, see the new cards, mm. and have fun with it. And you might even get to take these cards home, so you might get Figure started. Figure out how to use the different skill sets. And or you, and again, you might get, and again, a lot of times you might get to take these cards home with you, so you get the chance to have a new set of cards with you to add to your new collection of stuff already. <coughs> so it allows for, um, and again, like part, I mean, and Wizard of the Coast pretty much knows that if they don't support these big game stores and don't support the community, that a lot of the time, that the community won't exist. At, that the community won't be continued to exist. They, they're fairly popular at this point now that it would be very hard for them not to do that. To they could very well easily just decide, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to have these. We're not going to help support these local game stores. But I think they know that their local game stores is where a lot of their business happens at, and they keep a lot of these stores alive because it's very much in. It's very much in your interest that if you are Starbucks to have Starbucks everywhere because people then get to be like, oh, hey, there's a Starbucks. Let's go to the Starbucks. And if you just have... Well, if you have a store and you're providing a place for people to play or meet other people to play with, mm -hmm. that's pretty critical to keeping it going. Precisely. So so that brings up a point. So the game, the, the card store that was around the corner from us, mm -hmm. from our house... Is gone. Yes. It's been gone for a while. Yeah. How how common? I mean, how do you find card stores and and um, how common are they now? Well, part of the problem with, with card stores are a lot like comic book stores because they're often the same thing in a lot of cases yeah. now. Yeah. Um, part of the problem here is really that with mm -hmm. the advent of the internet out there, it's you don't need to go to a card store to get product anymore. Yeah, you could order it you, online. Um, there's a literally. Um, an entire store called Card Kingdom that just sells Magic the Gathering cards in a lot of cases. So if you ever just wanted to buy certain cards, they will sell you certain cards at what the kind of the current market value for them is. Yeah. Um, so like the advent of online kind of killed a lot of these comic book stores as well, which also dabbled, dabbled in the Magic the Gathering and, yeah. co and collectible card games. They're also the same place you buy like basketball cards and, and yeah. baseball cards, which are... Yeah. You know, if I if I were to tell you if I were to go to a kid now and offer them baseball cards, it'd be like WTF. Yeah, tops. Tops is no longer. I mean, they must be so struggling. Oh, so by so much, but um, but yeah, these smaller shops are harder to find nowadays, <clears throat> um, which is why it's very important to support local stores like this whenever possible. It's one of the reasons why um, when I go to buy Nerd Ephemera, I don't buy it online if I can avoid it, unless but the only place you can buy it is online. Yeah, and, and I have the same issue with yarn stores. I'd much rather go into a local yarn store mm -hmm. and shop because they're disappearing, and it's the same sort of thing. You, you can buy it online. Well, even so much that I, I'm, me personally, I just like having it in my hands right away as well, and that might be a necessity for you if you're looking for certain magic cards as well. Yeah. Um, but also sometimes you might go to the store, you might find mm -hmm. other stuff you want to use. Oh, hey, they have this card. I haven't seen that card in a while. What is this? And yeah. They're fairly important to the community itself, but they're becoming... Um, 
a little bit more uh, they're becoming obviously more scarce because again um the ability to to find the stuff online is pretty easy now um and one of the things actually magic might have done to almost hurt themselves in a way but i don't think really at the end of the day is that they've actually perfected their algorithms for playing magic the gathering online that's interesting so for many 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 Mm. years um you could play Magic the Gathering online. Now, they had a version of Magic the Gathering online where you could collect the cards and play with other people based off the cards that were that were existent. But you couldn't play with a, with a, with a bot or an NPC, a non-player character at all, because the bots and algorithms were just not... The computers were just not smart enough to play Magic the Gathering based off all too the many, very... Too many variables, yeah. Again, like if we were to just go through like the keywords here for Magic the Gathering, which is an entire different subject, it's like there's got to be like 50 to almost six, 50, 60 some odd special keywords that are designed around Magic that do different stuff like flying, trample, menace, reach, stuff like that. Like there's just a variety of these special keywords that you'll see frequently on cards, which are kind of shorthands for certain mechanics. Like flying, as an example, means that this character can't be attacked by anything, is literally flying in the air. You can't attack it unless you have another flying character or you have a character that has uh, reach. So, like, if you had, like, like a giant eagle that was in the sky, you couldn't attack it unless you had an archer that could reach it from the from the ground. Well, yeah, no, and, and if I look at the cards, even, even they have instructions on them that are obviously code words. Yeah, so um, so this one here is, for example, is known as a rot husk. Um, it's a five-five mm-hmm. for two black and five mana. Uh, you'll notice one of the things here is called menace, and that means uh, that it requires two cards to block him. But he's also got just a hulk of other text underneath him as well, which are other rules for the cards. And if we go through um, some of these other black cards here, I'm sure I can find other key phrases here and not immediately apparently but there are other key yeah. phrases in yeah here. no i, I get I, <laughs> I can see where that would be true um, and yeah and so these key phrases are also kind of just as a shorthand for the rules of the game as well so it gives you the so you don't have to write a huge list of rules on a card where you might have very limited space to work with and if you notice on your card that for example if you look at the very bottom there's even flavor text on that card. So that first card you have on there, that uh, colorless the card. Loyal, loyal to a fault, it anticipates its master's every move. See? Yeah, so you, so again, like it might speak to part of the card here. So here's another inspired Sphinx. The Sphinx, it's got flying on it. Yeah. Which is a nice card to have because it means that um, it can attack whatever, it can attack and block whatever it wants, um, but you can't attack it directly because it's a flying card. So you can't target it for, target it at all. And so, um, so it's kind of the intention of the, the keyword sort of here. Um, I completely forgot what we were talking about before that. Well, no, no, I, you know, no, I was talking about, about how, how would you ever play this online? So, oh, true. There's so many variables. Yeah. So what they eventually found a way to do is they, for literally years, they ended up going to, uh, statisticians for this, for help with this. They created an algorithm online that play that will play magic decks um, based off the current set of rules and what you do as well. Okay. Um, so it's called Magic Magic the Gathering Arena. Um, it's still it's very popular for playing with other people online as well. Okay. But if you wanted to practice it with um, with yourself and practice like your deck, like maybe you create a new mm-hmm. deck and you want to see how it works against another 
a green deck or red deck or blue deck or maybe other types of decks, you can play it against this this bot, and the bot will kind of interact with it as it would naturally interact with it. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like playing another person, finally. So like we're getting pretty intelligent with our bots and our AIs here, essentially, at the end of the but day. But it has no personality. It seems to me like playing in person allows personality to come oh out. absolutely and in this even some of the even some of the online stuff is a lot of like um you don't get a chat room because they find with competitive games like that that competitive games like this that if you have a chat room it devolves real quickly so you might have just a limited collection of um, emotes that you might have to use yeah um and then that combined with a bunch of other um very limited ways you can communicate Okay. So you might be able to, like, uh, Harson is very good about this. You only have five different ways you can communicate with somebody. You can go, you can do a wave, hello, good game, hmm, that's interesting, or, you know, like... So you know, sort, of, sort of like your five choices or six choices that you have on Facebook. Yeah, so you have, like, yeah. very limited sort of ways you communicate with somebody, and most of them all, most of them all positive in that respect yeah. as well. So, no, so you can't misconstrue, like, villainy or some sort of, like hatred against somebody when somebody says, oh, good game. Okay. You'd be surprised though, that some people take that offensively in some cases. So, so no sarcasm a lot. Well, I mean, there's plenty of sarcasm and everything, but okay. Magic's got quite a bit of sarcasm. They, came with, they literally created a deck that was intentionally meant to be drafted that was all joke cards. Interesting. Uh, not necessarily all joke cards, but they were all cards that if you were to play them in a standard sort of rotational deck like the current set of rules, they would break everything. Okay. Like one card like literally says, oh, you have to have another person do your turn for you. That just would never happen in a game. Like, yeah. Like if you're playing one-on-one, oh, somebody else who's not playing or not in your current fight right now has to decide what you do. And you're just like... Okay, so this opens up a whole different question. Are there other other... Um, rogue manufacturers of cards who make supplemental cards that really you know were not intended for magic they were intended for magic but they're rogue cards that weren't made by by the Wizards of the Coast yeah um, yes and no so do these kind of rogue cards exist yeah they do they do exist in the wild <clears throat> um, but most stores and most vendors will not sell them will not obviously sell them because it's going to be a, a violation of their yeah kind of a violation of their agreements for the game but if you and went out on ebay you can you, mind you again you could go to ebay and you could buy these cards but again these cards are very well known to all the players at a certain point like okay a lot of the players if you're playing the game even semi-professionally not even professionally if you're just casually interested in the game and you're and you're looking up all the new decks all the new cards that come out you can very quickly go online and find a, figure out if the card's a legit card or not. Okay. By just looking by looking up the name, and you can see because um, no two names are the same. Like they may reprint the card with new art, but um, usually no two cards are the exact same in most. And no two. Well, I I noticed I noticed that even some of my land is different from some of my mountains look different than other mountains. Oh yeah, no, that and that's intentional. By yeah, the variations on um, like swamps as an example have a couple different yeah. swamp looks yeah. to it here, because yeah. um, different games have come out with different um, yeah. sort of I ways of yeah. ways of making stuff look certain ways. Um, but no, yeah, no. Again, rogue kind of cards like that, I don't think really they might exist. Um, what what's more popular actually is to uh, what they call full mm. art cards. Um, so. 
uh, full art might be that if you notice in the card here, it's kind of just cut in half almost. Right. And so it's yeah. clearly been downsized or something like that. So what you might have um, with the Planeswalkers, as an example, is you might have um, the top half of the card, but you want the rest of the silhouette of the card. Because clearly there's more happening underneath yeah. the card, yeah. underneath the, the text of the card. And what some people have done is they've actually arted in the rest of the card. Oh, so what that's you, cool. Or you might have somebody that takes um, a card that's very popular and they might re-art it. Okay. So they might put on new art onto it or new or new stuff onto Changes it. Changes clothing. Might change his clothing or might make him, you know, this guy wasn't this guy was a human, but now he's a pointy-eared elf. Okay. Stuff like that. Okay. Um, they're not usually tournament legal. They might be more casual legal. Okay. Because they're usually more common. More of a cool thing to have. More like a cool thing to have. And there might be cards that are also super well-known, so everyone kind of knows, oh, this is Leandra. This is what Leandra does. Or this is uh, Tybalt. This is what Tybalt does. We all know what Tybalt does, so we don't really need... Yeah. So you we may don't not need, need to, to know the description. You okay. Yeah, you may not need to know the description, or at worst, you could, you know... Everyone kind of somebody would be able to tell you what it is, and with the advent of the internet, yeah. you can look it up super quickly. Yeah. Um, the art itself actually is very popular, so you get the actual artists to go to the conventions, sell like prints of their of their art, if not the originals, and sometimes sometimes the originals fetch a lot of money. Oh, I bet. I mean, so. this stuff is beautiful. It's so ornate. Oh, very beautiful. I could see my sister maybe doing something like this at yeah. some point. Yeah. Um, I've always said that she should really find a way to get into more nerdy stuff. Yeah. And back when she was still doing shoes, she could do shoes like that and they would sell like hotcakes at a convention. Yeah. Uh, although yeah. again, like for her, like one pair of shoes takes forever. So she might be able to take up to a certain amount of orders online and then deliver yeah. and then deliver on that yeah. based off a certain time frame. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Um, what other questions did you have by chance about Magic the Gathering? Well, I mean, I guess so. So um, one of the things we haven't touched on is is the life dice. So these are basically just twenty sided dice. Um, you'll notice that there's, there's a hand. It's not a hand, actually. That's the Magic the Gathering symbol. It's uh, oh, I see it. Okay. Again, remember five. Five is a very popular number in Magic. Okay. And so um, I believe that represents the twenty here, your starter life. Because um, in a traditional classic game, you have 20 life. Okay. And when you get down to zero life where you can't draw any more cards or sometimes some certain element here says that you can't play anymore, you lose essentially at the end of the day. Um, I actually have, going getting ready for this, I actually have a life tracker on my phone now. So we could so we put the phone down between us, we can calculate how much life each of us has left by pushing up and down. So we can keep track of it that way. So there's an app for that. Yeah. And and even the dice here also helps you decide who goes first. So whoever rolls first, <clears throat> rolls highest, would be the one that goes first. Okay. So that's that's a common um, element of what as well. So, um, when, Or some people use the dice here to help count, uh, keep track of different elements. So you might keep track of counters or um, how much extra health they might have. Magic, uh, this particular deck comes with a bunch of different sort of um, little sort of plus one, negative one sort of tokens here. Yeah. Um, that basically what we can do is we can put them on the cards here to help us keep track of how much additional, you know, how much life or how much uh, power these cards have so we can help, help us keep track of that kind of stuff. Um, the rule, again, when we go to play, we'll play, um, we'll play obviously a, a bunch of different games. 
Um, I'd like to try to show my nieces this. It may not be. It may be a little too old for them because again, it kind of says that you need to be. She's thirteen. Thirteen and up, but I mean, like. And Mia's pretty. Mia's eight, and she's pretty clever with with stuff. Yeah, and again, I was probably about nine. I was probably about. 10, 11 years old, maybe 12 when I first saw this. So, I mean, like, it's not without the possibility. I mean, and at worst, it's something to say, like, hey, you got to get better at reading so you can play this game with Anki. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Um, but any other questions you have for me today? No, just when are we going to play? I mean, it, it, I remember doing this when you were when you were kids because mm-hmm. I, I played Yugi. I also played Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I Because I always wanted to to try whatever you, I wanted to understand whatever you were doing and that's um, why we have you on the podcast yeah there we are <laughs> and you still do still want to understand whatever you're doing um so so um I have vague memories of it but they're very vague mm-hmm. um and well obviously I mean we're not going to podcast the the gameplays that we have here we're going to talk about it a little bit more detail when we come back um and we might even play a game um while we're on the podcast next time if we find if you find one of these decks to your liking here. And yeah. We'll give these some tries here. Um, and most most of these games don't take more than maybe 10 to 15 minutes at most. So we we can do that here this weekend with, um, obviously, some flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, because because I remember trying to figure out tapping and untapping and, and some of that. So. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. We'll, we'll help you out with that. And, yeah. Um, and we'll post uh, a lot of this on our webpage as well. So our webpage at nerdtutorialpodcast.com. We'll post, obviously, the show notes on there is what we think you should know. I'm also going to post on links to Magic Arena, where um, it's very not very mani- not very intensive on the website, uh, or not very, very intensive on your computer. But what I find very useful on it at the end of the day is that um, as a great sort of starter sort of tutorial sort of games oh. that you can play. Oh, very good. Which I find okay. is very useful about teaching you the rules of the game. And it's very much in a very enclosed environment, a very safe environment, and the computer intentionally loses to you on a couple of occasions. Um, but it's very easy to kind of get a feel for what some of the mechanics are of the game. And what's great about it as well is that a lot of these like keyword mechanics, you can hover over it and it'll tell you what the actual mechanic is. So you, can help, so you don't have to remember everything, but after a while of playing it, you'll fig- you'll figure it out. Oh, okay. Um, and I find it to be, and I, I find it that if you decide that you were ever interested in this game and don't want to actually spend any money on it, because again, I mean, like, well, these five little decks cost me about thirty bucks at the end of the day. It's a very minor investment considering that. No, we it's could, a cool little kit. Oh yeah, no, it, it's, it's a very it's small. Slick, inv- yeah. It's a very small investment versus if you actually wanted to get into the game, you might buy an entire booster box of thirty six some odd cards. That's a big investment to make for yeah. somebody who doesn't know whether they. This is really, really for them or not. Really going to enjoy it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that option to go to Magic the Gathering uh, Magic the Gathering Arena, download it for free. Now, it has options for in-app purchases for booster ba- booster packs and game modes and yeah. car- certain cards. They need cards. to make money somehow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but if you just wanted to see what it was all about and give it a test try for free, that was that's the way I would recommend to give it a try. Okay. Um, but we'll have that link as well as I also want to put the link for the uh, Loading Ready Runs Friday Night series on there. It also it's sponsored literally by Magic the Gathering, so there's also really great online tutorials about Magic the Gathering, which I find very useful. 
um, and they're available on their web at their YouTube page because um, they're very very friendly about getting other people to play. It's a very very welcoming and very engaging community. Not very many negative things I've ever heard about the community at all. That's pretty cool. Um, which also has a very big cosplay scene as well. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but again, we'll also post this on uh, Facebook as well as where links there. So if you're on, so you're on following us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash nerd tutorial podcast, I'll put the episode link up there. Um, and if you have any sort of suggestion comments or anything, I might've gotten wrong cause it's been a while since I've played magic as well. Um, you can let me know at a uh, nerd underscore tutorial on Twitter and I'll be more than happy to learn from everybody else. And if you have any good ideas for future topics, let me know there as well. Um, but on behalf of myself and my mom, we thank you so much. We're going to go play some magic, um, and we'll see you guys here next week. Bye.